Welcome this morning to Community Church. You know, when we are worshiping, Jesus said this. He explained about everything he was doing. He says, listen, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The reason why we are gathered here today is because you've been born again and your spirit has been connected with a source of light with a source of life that the world does not understand. And when you worship, and when you open your mouth and praise, the light of God begins to filter out of your spirit. And it begins to affect the world around you. When Jesus came, the angel said, Peace and goodwill to men. Goodwill to men. He's saying, listen, there's a substance the world needs that will deliver the world from sin and darkness and a kind of thinking that is perverted and gross and destructive. So lift up your voice wherever you are, whether you're watching online, at home in your living room, in your kitchen, or you're here in the building. We are releasing with the churches across Canada, across the world, A substance that will enable people to see. God, let your kingdom come in Jesus' name. So, Father, today we want to say, Lord, we believe. Can you believe with me? There are people in this congregation who are not present today, who are sick who are hurting, who are wounded, who are under oppression. And even uh, our friend Rick Ray is suffering with a life-threatening condition right now. And I want us to release something that changes his situation. Do you believe that God can transcend distance and time? That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And that when he healed... The centurion's uh, servant from a distance without even being present, that he can do the same thing today. We declare over the sick, over those who are under the heavy weight of darkness. Father, I just thank you, God, for, Lord, the anointing that breaks the yoke. God, we ask this morning, we set our faith upon the anointing that breaks the yoke. God, we say in Jesus' name, Lord, you said you sent your word and healed them. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that healing, breakthrough, deliverance, Father, that our mindsets that steal from us every day that we don't even know that we have, God would, in Jesus' name, fall to the ground. God, I ask, Lord, that you would give us your mind. Amen. Thank you, Father. Uh, I, I was, I was planning to go a whole other direction. You've never heard me say this before, but this strange, odd, uh, rare thing happened this morning where I was going to all this week, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about this thing. I'm going to talk about this and it's important. And I've been thinking about it and praying about it. And I come in this morning and, uh, lo and behold, the significance of that thing sort of ebbs in my heart. And I begin to see this man, Daniel. I began to see this prophet, this celebrated hero of the faith, this champion of God that we celebrate. Have you ever celebrated? Have you ever heard a message about Daniel? 
Daniel in the lion's den. It's a favorite, you know, Sunday school lesson where Daniel did this thing and we all sit there and we think, oh man, I love Daniel. What a hero. Everybody loves a hero, right? I love Daniel. What a hero. He, he, he made the day. He broke through. He did something that nobody else was willing to do. And we sit there and we listen to these stories and we, we you know, and young boys, I know what young boys do because I was a young boy once. I still sometimes do this. I fantasize about being a hero. I, friends of ours have a ministry called Be a Hero. And, um, and uh, so we, we love these stories. We love to back a hero. And, you know, many of us spend our, our youth thinking about moments where we could do the thing. That we could do that thing that saves people. I remember, you know, when I was asked at five years old, what do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. A fireman. Not a firefighter, a fireman. That's what I want to be. Fireman. And why? Why is it because firemen rush into danger? Firemen, they, they save people. And I had this, you know, I wanted to be a hero. Now, I might be rooted in egotism, might be rooted in a need to be worshipped, might be rooted in all kinds of things, but there's something about us that, that supports, we, we, we fantasize about being a hero. But you know what? Here's what I've discovered. When the moment of, to be a hero comes along, <laughs> there's a reason why there's few heroes and a lot of aspiring heroes. And it's because it's not so easy to do. In fact, when the moment comes, sometimes you don't even know you're in the moment. Right? And that's what happens. I remember I was at Bible college, and I'm in my dormitory, and and I had had all these thoughts, and of course I played sports, and the place that I was trying to be the hero, and I realized to a certain degree that dream, you know, you're scoring that overtime goal in uh, in the playoffs, you know, I've got to do those things, and it's great, and it's wonderful, you get this moment in the limelight, invigorating, but I remember I was sitting there, and uh, I'm I'm watching out in the parking lot, I'm drinking a coffee or something like that, and all of a sudden, there's some kind of commotion over there. And I look over, and there's smoke coming up, and I, I think that car is on fire. And the woman's scrambling out of the car, and I'm looking at it, thinking, oh, man, sucks to be you. That's terrible. I uh, hope you can afford to fix that car, because this is burning. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I'm just watching. I'm just standing there l- like a nub, just kind of, you know, like, you, you think after the fact, you think, well, why didn't I do something? All my life, I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be somebody who roared into the dangerous thing and fixed the, the problem and saved the woman in distress. Anyway, I'm standing there, innate, and, and across the parking lot runs a real hero. And he runs up to the, the broken glass. I just wanted to break the glass one time. And I'm thinking, this guy goes and he breaks the glass and he pulls out the fire hydrant and then he runs over and he puts out the fire. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like, wh- how can you be so inert to not be motivated to action in the middle of crisis? You've thought about this all your life. A moment when you could do something that mattered, something that was important, something that helped people. And there you were, just immobilized, 
You watch too many movies. You watch, you've been sitting on the couch watching others be the hero for so long, you became in a, unable to respond in the moment of crisis. But everybody loves a hero, man. Everybody, we love the heroes of faith. We love the heroes in life. And everybody wants to be a hero. And there's something in us, I believe, that's part of the DNA. Maybe it filters through all kinds of fantasies about, you know, being worshipped and revered. But there's something in us, I believe, that was made to help others. Do you want to be a helper today? Do you want to be somebody who... Who can who makes a difference? Father, I pray today, God, that you would raise up a generation of Daniels, that you would raise up a generation of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, Lord, people who refuse God to go with the uh, with what's easiest, people who are not afraid to face the crowds, to choose the narrow path. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, you would make us unafraid to choose the narrow path. You know the problem, why it's so hard to take the narrow path? It's because nobody else is doing it, right? Because everybody else is going what? And how can so many people be wrong? Right? Look at that. You're the only one saying this. Who do you think you are? Right? That's that's what's said to that's what was said to Daniel. That's what was said to the three Hebrew children. That's what was said to the disciples. That what's that's what it's being said to David. David's uh, going out and saying, I can fight Goliath, and what happens? Like, who do you think you are? There's a reason why there aren't many heroes. Because nobody wants to pay the price of unpopularity. I don't want to do anything controversial. I don't want to do anything that everybody else is not already doing. Wait a minute. Yeah, think about it. Think about it. Okay, so I want to read a couple of scriptures because God is at work trying to do something and he's looking for candidates and we can be those candidates or we can fall into line with the crowd and be brought along by the momentum of that uh, mindless you know, kind of, it's like the Sahara Desert, and you, you've got all of these these zebras and buffalo running through and being eaten up by the crocodiles, and somebody, we look at that and think, well, what's the matter with them? Why don't they just go around? You know, obviously, all the crocodiles are there. Just, you know, go down 100 yards and cross over there. Yeah, well, there you go. But everybody's going this way. It must be the safest way. So Luke 19 41 to 44, Jesus is uh, praying over Jerusalem. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. I want, to, I want you to know that this is not only a passage, this is not only a word, this is not only a concern that has to do with this particular slot in history, 
But this has been repeated again and again and again and again, that at every moment of every era of every lifetime of every generation, there is always a path of deliverance. There is always a path of freedom. There is always a path of success. But the the difference is, is it hidden to you or can you see it? You know, this is why what we're doing in worship is so important, because we are meant to be the light of the world. Light enables you to see so that what is not clear to others, what is not hid from others becomes known to you. The world does what it does because it just cannot see. And my question is to you is, do we see any better than anybody else? Do we have a vision or or does the compulsion, does the arguments, does the rationale, does the wisdom of what the world is saying right now make just that much sense that we can't pull ourselves away from this vortex, from this gravitational pull? You know, I just... I. I just can't seem to do it. There's a reason nobody did what Daniel did when Daniel did it, because there is a force, there's a spiritual force that's pulling you into line. And it takes violent desire to escape the vortex of that pull. We, the church, are meant to be the Daniels of our generation. And the same thing that Jesus is saying, To Jerusalem, he's saying to us right here, right now, in our day. He says, he says, listen, he's weeping over you. He says, don't you understand? There are things that make for your peace right now. There are things that make for a better future right now. That the future uh, catastrophes that you might experience, and hopefully we won't, but they all can be averted. That's the promise, that nothing is automatic. None of these things are willed by God. God doesn't desire or rejoice in anyone perishing. God doesn't want any of that. So he's always created a means for us to escape. But this is, this is, the, this is how he frames it. He said, listen, Jerusalem, you, you, you could have had a path for peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. And this is, here's the consequence. Listen to this. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation listen this this listen church this is what the spirit of god is saying this is the time of your visitation and it's not on the will of God. It's not on whether God chooses to pour out his spirit now because of factors that are distant or separate from you. It's all hinging upon you right now. It hinges not on God's desire to save Jerusalem, but Jerusalem's desire and willingness to be saved, to step into the things that made for peace. We, and I've said it before, we are not victims. We are not victims. We are not pawns in a game over which we don't have choices. 
Father. So the point here is this. He says, listen, you don't understand, Jerusalem. There's an enemy circling you already. God is saying this to the church. Listen, understand this church. Right? You may, you may be thinking, well, yeah, but we don't mean any, any harm. We are here for good. We are not really offensive. We are not dangerous to people. It doesn't matter what you are. You have an enemy. You have an enemy that is bent on your entire destruction. That it, and it doesn't make sense. You, well, if we just make ourselves as non-threatening as possible, then surely they will find no reason to harass us anymore. That's the, that's the mentality that's out there. No, we are reasonable people. They are reasonable people. There's a bulk of people out there that are reasonable. They are innocent. But let me make no mistake about this. There is a demonic spirit at work in the earth that has given itself uh, in every generation and every time to destroy the light, to destroy the witness of righteousness. It literally hates everything about you. It, it froths. It stands at a distance. It would eviscerate you and kill your children. It would destroy you in the most malicious ways if it could right now. And it's not because you have some evil motive. It's because of what you are. We don't seem to understand the Antichrist spirit that's at work in our land right now. It is not rational. It is not, well, you know, if we just do this, if we just do, if just we offer this accommodation, if we offer this compromise, then they will see. Then they will see. No, they won't. They won't see. God, give us clarity about this in Jesus' name. You know, the Proverbs uh, 3, verse 4 says, or 3 and 4 and 5 says this, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and present riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases in strength. Wisdom and understanding will build a house that will prevail, that will persevere. And God right now is looking for a people saying, listen, uh, you could be like Jerusalem who did not know, could not see the day of their visitation, who didn't understand what made for peace or or you can cry out to me. There's a wisdom right now hanging over our city, hanging over our province, hanging over our nation that says it doesn't matter what the darkness is saying and doing. There is a way of deliverance. There is a way of freedom. There is a way to change everything and turn it around. And it's not by abolishing the ill will. It is by rising up into something else. Through wisdom, the house is established. Father, give us wisdom, I pray, in Jesus' name. Now, I want to visit Daniel for a second. I'm going to read this story from Daniel chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, and, uh, you know, even if it's on an iPad, that's fine. Follow along with me. But I, wanna, I want us to look at this because we need to understand the opportunities that are before us right now. Again, I, I, I say this because everything that's necessary for life and godliness is provided. 
Any generation that doesn't, doesn't rise to their destiny has no one to blame but themselves. And so God has afforded us an opportunity to come into something. And I pray that we would get a vision. What, what are we accomplishing through this word? First of all, faith. I want you to be, begin to believe that the answer is near you. The answer is near you. Daniel had an answer. The sons of Israel had an answer. David had an answer. Jesus had an answer. My destiny is not in the hands of others. It's not in the obedience of others. It's in, my de- it's in me right now. I'm telling you, apply this to yourself individually, but apply it for our nation, for our province, for our city. There are solutions at hand. So Daniel chapter 6 says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So Daniel has been given this ruling position. Right, he's he's there as a slave. He's there as a eunuch. He's there, you know, against his will. He's there in captivity. But God has given him because of the wisdom, because of the understanding, because he had the ability to anticipate what others could not anticipate, because he saw what others could not see. God gave him favor with Darius, and so he's one of three governors over the entire empire. I mean, this is significant, and as you can imagine. There's a little bit of envy going on in the background. It says, and then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Wow. Speculate. I want to give you a promotion. You know, the, the other governors, you're leading, leaving them in the dust. There's something. What, I don't know what you're doing, Daniel. I don't know how you do it. I don't know what's behind this. But man... You are carrying something that is amazing. Daniel's like, yeah, I wish I could tell you what it was. But it's, a, it's an invisible substance that the children of God, the sons and daughters of the Most High God in heaven, are designed and destined to carry. It is a force of life. It is a compelling governance that is able to bring every other influence under the subjection of the kingdom of heaven. It is a force that cannot be resisted when it's fully released. This is the, this is the faith we need to have that there is available to us. Again, uh, should we be frustrated by the current situation? Well, it's not unnatural. It's not unnatural to look at the laws and the things that are happening right now and the lack of wisdom and the lack of, I mean, those things, we can spend all of our time thinking about how terrible those things are, and they are terrible, and they are ridiculous. But I tell you what, God is saying, but what if, what if you could lean into something that was just that much higher? What if you could lean as a church into a manifestation of glory that could not be resisted? I mean, have you ever read of the presence of God coming upon a group of people? Even Jesus himself, they were sent to arrest him. 
They were sent to arrest him. I mean, this is no small thing. This is real life. This is a real situation. They were sent to the garden to arrest him. And they said, who are you looking for? And And he said, I am he. When Jesus said, I am he, it says they drew back and fell to the ground. They were slain in the spirit. Now, Jesus gave himself over at that time because this was part of his purpose. I need to be arrested. I need to be crucified. I need to die at the hands of these people. But is this your destiny? Is it your destiny to be arrested by uh, unlawful authorities coming to put you in prison? No. I mean, we don't need to lay over. We don't need to just lay down. We don't need to just say, no, this is it. We, we just have to do what we're told here. No, there is a power. There is a power. There is a power. There is a power. You see, God, I pray in Jesus' name, we, we get just enough of the presence of God to go another week. We get just enough of the presence. See, our mindset and our vision is, I want to feel freedom to endure the hardship of this next couple of days. And so really what I'm looking for in God is something that's limited, something that is actually on the scale of greatness. It's very low. It's just, you know what? I would like to have a better week than that week. That may be all your faith can expect right now. But again, this is why you have a preacher. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That God is saying, listen, do you know who I am, people? Don't you know who I am? I hold the nations. They're like a drop in the bucket. I created the worlds with the word. Don't you think I could do something to turn this around? Well, yes, Lord, I'd like to be a hero. As long as it doesn't cost me. As long as it doesn't mean nobody's mad at me. Doesn't, I, I, just, just as long as I'm not misunderstood. Have you, have you noticed that? There's this mindset, it seems, in the church where people, well, you know, we don't want people to misunderstand us. We want to make sure they understand that we're good people. You know what? Blind people flailing at the darkness in, in like brute beasts in rage will not understand and you appealing to them is never the plausible approach father in jesus name god give us something so here's the scenario you've got these satraps you've got these other governors you've got these evil men i mean you've got envy happening on a scale because they're thinking this guy's not even us he's 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 a slave he's a slave and they're gonna make a slave a ruler over us He's not even of the right bloodline. He's one of those Jews, one of those weird people, one of those born-agains. He prays in tongues. <sighs> so what does it say? He had an excellent spirit, and the king was thinking of putting him over everything. So the governors, the satraps, sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find they could not they they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him then these men said we shall find we shall not find any charge against daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of god so we're going to trap him father i pray right now in the name of jesus 
the world, the nations take counsel together. The nations take counsel together in saying, we will not have this man to rule over us. Lord, the Antichrist spirit that drives the counsel of the wicked, God, it may seem sophisticated. It may seem to be... Uh, to be um, politically astute. It may seem to have a kind of wisdom, but we know it's driven by a mindless hatred of the light. It is driven by a, a brute beast-like impulse that has no real intelligence. Father, we say in Jesus' name, shine a light into the eyes of the enemy. Father, shine a light into the eyes of the enemy. You see, the weapons of our warfare are able to confound the nations, are able to confound those. Now, that doesn't mean everybody in government, in our government. Are we supposed to be against our premier? Are we supposed to be against our government? You don't have to be against the government. We are against the darkness that is confusing the government. We are against the, guard, the darkness that some in the government are uh, aligned with. And certainly in our province, there are people who are aligned with evil. And they're not confused about this. They're not making an accident. They, like these satraps and governors, they've thought about it. They've already thought about it. What can we do to, to destroy the church? What can we do to destroy the people of God? What can we do to destroy the witness of Christianity? Because they are committed to a barbarism. They are committed to an evil. They are committed to a carnal. Well, you know, no, no, they're just confused. No, they're not. Stop giving darkness the benefit of the doubt. You think that's kindness? Uh, I, you know, I, I get upset sometimes. When I see people making excuses for darkness. Oh, well, they just don't understand. It doesn't matter that they don't understand. It doesn't matter that they don't understand. You know, when you are told to discipline your kids, you know why you're doing that? Not because they understand. Right? Because there's something at work in your kids, right? A black hole of darkness. The Bible says that hell has broadened its mouth because the, the desire of man is never complete. You're working to get something they don't understand. The reason you discipline them, the reason you're actually bringing them to church and making them do what's right and making them make their bed and not make a mess and not talk back is because there's something inside of them that Paul said is is anathema. It is, it is hostile to God. It is hostile to everything about God, and it's in them. If it's in Paul, then it's in your kids. Oh, but you know, well, well, they don't understand. Doesn't matter. They are operating by an impulse they do not understand, but it's that impulse that you are called to restrain. The same thing we do with our children. It's to, we do that to give them an opportunity to say no to it when it's their turn. We're saying no to that impulse, and now later they'll get a chance to say no, and they have to decide for themselves. But right now, we're trying to give our nation a chance to say no to darkness. And the only chance that, we, that they have is if people who understand what we're really dealing with rise up. If people who don't, well, you know, they mean well. No, they don't. I'm not talking about everybody. There are some. 
When I'm speaking in this language, I'm speaking to those who understand that they are in covenant with darkness. And they, they pull the reins and the cords of power. They confuse. They deceive. They find, you know, there was only a handful of them that really were behind this plot against Daniel. But you know what? They used everybody else. They even used the king. They even used the king. Right now, there are voices whispering in this province, in this nation, in the nations of the earth that are trying to move and turn kings, individuals who might not actually be against us specifically, but these deceptive ones are using their voice. They're using their their language, their manipulative uh, words to turn policy in a direction for the express purpose of destroying you, your ability to pray, your ability to worship, your ability to gather, and they know what they are doing. This doesn't require you to hate anybody to understand this. It doesn't require you to be against anybody because we're not against people. We are against principalities of powers that have, a lo- that have men and women aligned with them very purposefully very, very specifically, very deliberately, and these are the ones through which this plan is turning. But make, make no mistake, there is a plan. There is an agenda. There is a plan, and there is an agenda. There is absolute evil determined to destroy you. Well, you know, I'm sure if they understand, we just want to raise our kids. We just want to be happy. Then they'll leave us alone. No, they won't. History has told us otherwise. History has told us that any place, any civilization, any nation where that evil has not been hindered, where that evil has not been tied down, broken through and resisted, it's the same cycle over and over again. Israel was just trying to live their own life. They're just trying to have a nation. They're just trying to practice their religion. But you know what? The Philistines and the Moabites and all the other surrounding nations, they can't leave them alone. Why? Because they don't understand that they are being driven by a spirit. But we, we should understand this. So the governors, and they sought, you know, gathered, and they talked about it, and they tried to do this, and they realized, no, where we got to get them is around their faith. Well, where we got to get them is we got to bring them into conflict with the will of the king around issues of their faith and their faithfulness, expressions of their service to God. Because these are law-abiding people. These are people who, you know, they're going to put a mask on if necessary. They're going to do the right thing. They're not going to overtly put others in danger. So we've got to find something, some smart way, some, some clever way, like the serpent always does, to sneak in and say, well, you know what? We should put in this policy for safety. It's not really, we're not forbidding religion. We're not forbidding worship. We're not forbidding Christians to gather and pray. It's for safety. I don't care what they say it's for. I don't care what they pretend it to be about. I'm telling you, every time in history, they hit your freedom to gather. They hit your freedom to say what you feel you want to say, the freedom of conscience, the freedom to gather, the freedom to worship. Anytime they hit some of those things, there might be a rationale that appears to be innocent, 
But I'm telling you, behind that rationale is something that is very far from innocent. And that's what we are up against. You guys still with me? All right. So this, anyway, I want to explain why I'm saying this. Sometimes you, you have this impulse to explain why or how you've come to something. And I'm just going to forget about that and just say what I've come to. Plus, I'll drink occasionally. So, so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him thus, uh, King Darius, live forever. All of the governors of the kingdom and ministries and satraps, all of us, except for a few, the counselors and the advisors, everybody is saying the same thing. Nobody disagrees. This is, this is the intelligentsia of the whole land. These are the experts. These are everybody in their field. Everybody, we know such and such is the case. The discussion is over. Have you heard this before? Right? This is a, it's, it's written right here in the Bible. Everything that's transpiring right now has already transpired. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but no, that's the Bible. That's back when we had heroes, and we could be heroes. Nothing like that will ever happen in our day. Oh, king, live forever. These silver-spooned serpents said, We have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the, sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius, sign the written decree. Okay, for 30 days, 30 days, just going to flatten the curve. Too much worship going other. Too much devotion going in other directions. There's too much potential usurping of the authority of King Darius in the realm. There are people who are out there being divisive. We got, you know, we're not against your religion. We're not against your faith. We're just trying to suppress the real ugly stuff, the real dangerous stuff. So we're not against, let me be clear, we're not against your worship. You're free to worship. You're free to think and do what you want in private. But, you know, for 30 days, we're going to suppress the curve of dissent in the realm. Just for a little while. I love it. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Uh, What's the decree? Oh, okay, that's great. You guys go ahead. And he went and he did what was required. What was required? Now, it doesn't say, you know, that there was any discussions that he went and shared with others. But I know everybody's got Job's friends. Right? Everybody's got, you know what Job's friends are, right? Job's friends are, you know what? 
You should just go along. You should just do what's right. You should just demonstrate. They're afraid. The problem is they're afraid. If we just show them they have nothing to fear, everything will be okay. No, it won't. It will not be okay. It will not get better. Because 30 days turns into 60. And 60 into 120. And 120 into 240. No, 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 no. No, no. That's not the new normal. So I was thinking about it this morning as I, as I began to see. See, it's funny because we, all, we love Daniel. We love the heroes. And we love the ones who save the day. And the chance is there for us to be that, to do that, to be a part of the ones who, who when the prince of this world rose up to destroy us, we said, no, not on my watch. And it may mean, it may mean something unsavory, something unpalatable, something un, unappetizing. It may mean that some people get irate at it. What's the matter with you? Why don't you just for once come into line? What, why do you always got to, you know, you're just rebellious. That's your problem. You're just arrogant. You just think the rules don't apply to you. This is what they said to David. They said, who do you think you are? You're just a lad. He's a warrior. They said, oh, I know you, the older brother. I know you. You are arrogant. And you, you go back home and take care of those few sheep. What are you doing here? You're ignoring your real responsibility. You've stepped out of your realm. This is not, this is beyond the scope of what you're called to do. Who are you? What do you? No, there's others in charge of those things. You just go back. Because, why did the older brother do that? Because your courage is embarrassing us. Your stand is showing us that we have none. Right? So here's some of the rationale I was thinking about this morning. Things that would have been said to Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, listen, listen. Do you know how much Darius favors you right now? Like, you are in a position to elevate all of us. The, I mean, the whole Jewish, you are the hero right now of, of Judaism. You represent the worship of God. You know, we're called to reach these people, you know. And you have favor and you have the means that, you know, he's smiling at you and you're going to put all of that in jeopardy. Just for what? Just because you, you got some odd tradition. It doesn't even say in the Bible you have to go and open your windows and do it three times a day for everybody to see. In fact, you should be doing this in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It hasn't been written yet, but we feel... Are you guys with me? He's not really saying don't believe in God. He's just saying for a short period of time, do this. And just, just think of the games. Just think of the additional authority that you're going to have by carrying, the, you know, because you, you, you can honor the king in an unusual way. And he might be thinking, you know, I'm not sure if that Daniel is really completely committed. You know, he's, he seems to be on a different path. He seems to be an odd duck. He's smart, but, you know, what if one day and Daniel, I mean, you're not really showing any gratitude. I mean, there's no gratitude here. Don't you know that Darius is for you and you're just going to stick a, you can just stick him in the eye? 
and saying, oh, it doesn't matter that you did all this stuff. You made me the governor and you gave me all this favor. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm sticking it in your eye. That's, see, this is what Job's counselor said to David. If they didn't say it, they were thinking it. They thought, what, what is he doing? He's just provoking the bull here. He should be being grateful that Darius has been willing to work with him. Churches, you should just be grateful that you have more freedom than all the other, the other provinces to worship. And, you know, you know, why should you be complaining? Because you guys have it better than, than B.C. You have it better than uh, Wyoming or Michigan or, or other jurisdictions. You have it way better than, than Melbourne, Australia. Shouldn't you just be grateful? Yeah, if I wasn't the son of the king, if I wasn't called to rule the nations, if I wasn't called to bring a dominion, another dominion that is resisted by an antichrist spirit, if I wasn't uh, uh, sure I was operating out of my own spirit, maybe I, I, I would do that. But I'm sure I'm not operating out of my own spirit. No? I'm grateful that King Darius has offered me the hand of fellowship. But I cannot do this. Why? Because I discern that there's a nefarious plan behind this. That I don't know if the king is a part of it. I don't know who's a part of it. But I know I cannot submit to this agenda. Well, come on, Daniel. It's just 30 days. It's just 30 days. That's what they said. Just to flatten the curve. Just, you know, it's for public health. Uh, let me tell you, the mindset of darkness, it's, it's scouring the rules right now to find some way to bring you into transgression. It's, it's happening on every level in our nation right now. We've seen the, the Christian college in B.C. cannot offer law degrees because of the morality behind Christianity. Do you know that rationale? You think, well, well that's, yeah, but that's water under the bridge. We'll never, there'll never be anything else like that. When the Jews were systematically excluded from the German society because of the Nazis and the brown shirts, it was one rule after another that brought them into conflict with the modern society that they were in. Let me tell you, this story has already been written. This tale has already been lived. And a passive people who thought, you know what, who, who, who viewed every dictate, every law by, you know, can... Can we do this and just maintain a semblance of who we are? Surely we can do this. Well, we can do that. I mean, we don't have to be doctors, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's somebody else's jurisdiction. These are associations that we're not in charge of. And so, okay, so we're not doctors. Uh, but we, we, could be, we could be engineers for a little while. And then you couldn't be engineers. Then you couldn't live in certain neighborhoods. Then you couldn't vote. Then you couldn't 
live in your own house as it was confiscated. Then you were put into prison. Then you were taken to Auschwitz and your children were killed. And every step along the way, it was one accommodation after another because you didn't understand the vileness of the darkness that is plotted around you. You didn't understand that one day it's going to come and your enemies will surround you and they will not leave one stone upon another. Such is the devotion of the spirit that is arrayed against you today church of jesus christ realize these are not just incidental laws and issues there has to be a place where you decide i'm going to stand because there's never a better place there's never a more convenient place each one after this becomes increasingly risky but daniel you're not told you can't pray you know well, you are, but you you know, just do it in secret. Like, why do you have to open the windows? Why do you have to open the windows? Where in the Bible does it say I have to do it three times a day? Isn't that more of a Muslim thing? Right? I mean, all these, all these, all these rationales. You're not really being forbidden from believing. Your faith, your ability to worship is not being compromised. Exactly. You still have... In your mind, you can do what you want. Just don't say it. Just don't speak it out. Let's put a muzzle over your mouth, but then you can still think it. There's an odd pattern here, isn't there? Oh, it's all coincidental. It's all just... eh. No, no, this is for other reasons. There's no sinister ambition behind this. These are good people. These are people who just care about others what you're saying then is you just don't care about others daniel what are you doing you're putting everybody else in jeopardy by doing this they're going to they're going to they're going to hunt us all down we are all going to be excluded from the government we're all going to be excluded from prospering we're starting to make a good living here daniel don't jeopardize a good thing how do you how do you stand how do you know for sure that these things are true. How do you know for sure that this is a mountain worth dying on? This is the argument I always hear. Is this really the hill you want to die on? There's only one hill. There's only one hill because we have one enemy. And the reason why I am confident, oh, there's a number of reasons, but because I know this enemy. I understand this enemy. I know this sinister spirit It is set on world domination. The crisis that's before us right now as a people, as a nation, as Christians, this is over world domination. This is something that is bent upon uh, our destruction, our our complete, utter (sighs) removal. Father, we just reach out to you. God, I pray that you would awaken your people. Father, Lord, you said what what common ground can we have with Belial? What common ground can there be? Father, we say in Jesus' name. See, we've been living in a culture that for too long has been living in the wake of righteousness, in the wake of goodness, in the wake of, of goodwill. You know, so we, we have it we expected this. We because we, we were given goodwill. Whenever 
community of faith, it becomes rooted in a society, in a culture. It begins to create the atmosphere of heaven. But it's propelled by a living force that's life. But when that living force stops, those who have been trained by that living force, it doesn't immediately disappear. It slowly disappears. And as a culture, we've been slowly losing the peace and goodwill that the manifestation of Christ always brings. And, and, And we've believed, Westerners have believed, that we're just, no, no, we're just good people. Our culture, even the unsaved people, I'm not sure God could even send them to hell because they're pretty good. Have you heard that from Christians? You know, what you're seeing is a residual goodness that's culturally based, rooted in a a people because of their history, but not because of actual righteousness. And it's going to erode. It's going to disappear as quickly as you can say, yes, snap. Because there's none good. No, not one. See, this is the gospel. This is the essence of the gospel. There's none good. No, not one. Yeah, but my neighbors, they just want to be happy. They're like your child. And you're like that mother who thinks, oh, it's not, it's not that he's defiant just because he yelled and threw that block at you. It's because he's tired. We shouldn't punish him. We should put him to bed. Yes, let's punish him and put him to bed. <laughs> you know, right? We always want to make excuses. Well, they don't, they don't really hate the church. No, they do. Well, not everybody. Not this guy. I don't know who does, but let me tell you, I can smell corruption in these policies that are demonic. And you should smell them too. We've got to become resolute. We've got to become unapologetic. We've got to become unafraid to say no. Father, we pray today in Jesus' name. Lord, in the same way, God, we're, we can't expect that everybody's going to run to our rescue and we say no to the Spirit because the bulk of the nation is under the power of the wicked one. But Father, we know that heroes can turn things around. Heroes like Daniel turn things around. Heroes like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who know their God and who said our God will deliver us. Father, we declare today in Jesus' name that there is a solution and it begins with having the courage to stand. It begins with having the courage to worship. It begins with having the courage to embrace our God the way we know we're called to. So we will lift up our voice. We will make a clear sound of faith as we worship. So I want to do two things as we go back into worship. I want you to ask God for the kind of conviction so that you know where to stand and how to stand, so that you know what is sinister in nature and not just confusion. That even if people are confused, that you know, well, you know what, you might be confused, but there's something in this that I have to resist. I must, because I know what the sound of an antichrist spirit feels like. Let's rise up, let's stand up together, and let's ask God, Father, God, I read the passage in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and the one verse I didn't read at the end, it says there's, 
There's wisdom in the multiple of counselors. And this morning, as I was in prayer, and I didn't tell anybody what I was going to speak on, but all of a sudden, somebody began to pray out on two occasions the very thing that I was planning to share about. And the last thing, right at the end of the prayer meeting, they began to pray about the heroes of the faith, the champions of faith, and the need for champions of faith. And, and uh, I thought, that's, 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 that's my confirmation. That gives me boldness to say what I want to say because I wasn't planning on saying any of this. Now, Murray's just come up and shared with me. This is what he wrote a week ago. Listen to this. This is titled Heroes of the Faith. It starts with what a great time this is to be alive. Something that not many of us are thinking right now. But it says, we look up to the heroes in the Bible and we want to be like them. People of faith, people of great courage. But none of them had a walk in the park. And so from this scripture, Acts 17, 26, it says, He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. This speaks of the unity and the destiny. But none of the heroes are here today. There's no Abraham, no Samson, no David, Moses, Elijah, no, no Daniel, no Joseph. The cry from North Battleford was, not them and then, but us and now. So God, here we are. We are the volunteers in the day of your power. It's us and now. We are the heroes of the faith. We are the ones, God. You called us here. You set me here in Canada now for this time, for your glory, that your glory, you will have your inheritance. You will have your inheritance. Amen. Let me give you a prophetic word. When Jesus was raised from the dead, something was released from heaven that fell upon the disciples. There was something that fell upon the eleven. They became apostles. They became key men and women around the earth. The kingdom of God exploded from that day. But what were they up to then? They were nothing. They were a minority of people chasing some guru in the desert. They were following some messianic figure that the whole nation was actually against. The religious system, the political system, everything was against Jesus. But on whom did the anointing fall? On whom did the gifts fall? Once that breakthrough happened, there are people, normal people, natural people, that have stood the test of time, that when an Antichrist spirit came to push you into a cave, and you said, no, you are posturing yourselves. Hear me, church. The church that does not turn back and hide is posturing itself for the release of anointing. There is coming manifestations of glory gifts the earth has never seen. On whom will they fall? On those. On those who stood. On those who stood. On those who stood. Oh. Get ready. 
Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Now, I just saw something. You know, when, when Daniel was given that place of preeminence, he wasn't doing religious things. He was organizing. He was, he was creating administrative systems. He was creating educational systems. He was speaking into policies, economic policies, uh, vision for the future. Some of you here... You don't realize that God has anointings for the marketplace. God has anointings for government. Daniel became the chief governor, and he was at the, on the verge of having the entire realm put under him. There are anointings, ladies over here who are interested in education, in government policy. Those of you that are thinking about uh, you're in the medical realm or you're in the education realm or whatever you're in, let me tell you, an anointing from God can fall upon you. When they heard, when they heard these disciples of Jesus preaching, they said, aren't these just these guys? Aren't these these ones? Even Jesus said, isn't that Joseph's boy? What is this that's come upon these men and women? I'm telling you right now, there are anointings for rulership. There are anointings that can fall on your life. Where does it begin? It begins with courage in your life right now. Some of us are afraid to voice our opposition to anything. Everything is built around everybody liking us and us being uh, welcomed and never rejected. It's time. It's time to lift up your voice. It's time to share things that you know friends of yours will not like on Facebook. It's time to be controversial. If you're not going to do it now, you're not going to ever do it. Because the price for doing it later is going to be greater. The cost is going to be greater moving forward. But there is an anointing to bring into captivity others, to break the darkness, to break the fear, to break the torment. Let the light in. Let Hallelujah. That's, there's faith in that. There's expectation in that. 